three, two, one, boom, and we are live. Hello, everybody. This is Ali Koja, and I'm here with my friend Gigi Tash, who is, you know, Hello. hey, what's up, Gigi? How are you? I'm good. How are you? Doing great. Doing great. So, for those of you who don't know Gigi, uh, we actually used to be teammates back in uh, back in university. We were on the same wrestling team. Yeah, she's a beast. She's an absolute beast. She was the smallest person on our team. She was the smallest person on our team, but she was a freaking bulldog. (laughs) Warrior mentality. Thanks, man. (laughs) Yeah, and uh, she is among the top 25 female scholars in Canada. That is a big accomplishment, guys. Big accomplishments. (laughs) So anyway, I actually want to... uh, Gigi, I want to ask you a few questions because I know uh, you're, you're doing your master's degree in international public policy right now. And it's a very tough, uh, tough uh, program that you're in. And I want to ask you a little more about the, the work that you're doing and how privacy laws for citizens are, are protected by the governments. Yeah, um, so right now I'm at the Paul Seeley School of International Affairs at um, Wilfrid Laurier. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm doing a fellowship with Global Affairs Canada and basically my research, I'm working with three other students and basically our research focuses on digital transformation and human rights and basically how our privacy laws are really outdated and how can we advise Canada and the government of Canada to protect, better protect their citizens' privacy on the internet. Um, like data storage being saved in third world countries where we're not protected. Once we leave the borders of Canada, our data is no longer protected. And how can we bring that power back to the individual and the user rather than the companies that can do whatever they want with this data? And what gave like, what was like the beginning point of research into this, uh, into this certain topic? How'd that begin? Um, So our school, the way it works is at our school, you get selected to be part of this Global Affairs Fellowship. And so majority of the students at our school participate in this. And the way it works is is a ranking system. So in our school, you get ranked from, I don't want to say the smartest system as well, like the people that are doing better in the the courses versus not as well. And you get selected to do, so you have about 12 to 13 topics, I believe, and you get to choose which group you want to be a part of. So because I was amongst the top, I got to choose exactly what I wanted to do. So I decided to do something that, where I was a little bit comfortable with something, but also something that challenged me. So I'm really comfortable with dealing with topics on human rights, but I wasn't as comfortable with digital transformation and really what that meant. But I had a good understanding of privacy laws. So I thought this was an opportunity where I could still feed to my strengths, but challenge myself at the same time. Wow, that's awesome. I mean, yeah, like it's something we never really think about. You know, I mean, you're, you're saying, for example, the second we leave Canada, our privacy laws, like in, in third world countries at least, are probably zero or close to zero. I mean, I would assume. Of course, well, there's nothing ask- protecting us, right? So. Yeah. Like I mean, what they do with that data, how is that being utilized? And why don't we have a say, why don't we have control of our own data? Yeah, I mean, you know, like every single app, like every single social media account we have, every single application we use presents us whenever we're, we're first downloading or signing in to our accounts with a terms and conditions page. 
right? And yeah. all of us just scroll all the way down and just click okay without, without reading a single word every time. But no yeah. one ever stops to read what's on those pages. Exactly. So what we propose is to, basically it's like we're following the European Union's model um, called GDPR. Can't exactly remember what it's called, um, what it stands for, but essentially it's like a new model and a way to guide these private sector companies on how they can protect, better protect people's data and allowing the user to actually understand where their data could be going how it could be utilized there. And it allows us to have better protection of the sharing of that information. Okay, and uh, I just wanna clarify one thing. Are you studying uh, this only outside of Canada? Like, are you studying only the data, data shared outside of Canada or inside of Canada as well? Inside Canada as well, but our, um, since it's Global Affairs Canada, it's more so with relations to other countries. Mm-hmm. So how our data in Canada disperses outwards. Okay, and uh, I mean, you might not be able to like reveal too much, but like what are some of the things you found while doing your research? A lot of our data, how can I put this? So a lot of our data goes through the states and then outwards to other branching countries. So when that happens, Canada has a great set of laws and policies to protect privacy within Canada. Mm -hmm. They are quite outdated. Most of the stuff dates back to before technology was even existent. So for our data to now go to the States, we're protected under their privacy laws, which aren't the same as ours. So already there, we're at a disadvantage. And then they get to take that data and disperse it to other countries where these data, this data is being stored in third world countries for the most part. There, your rights aren't as protected as most people know. So imagine the data that's not protected at all, what's being done with it. And it leaves us in a very vulnerable state. So one like our biggest findings was that we need something to control the use of our data when it leaves outside and we need to educate the people within Canada on their rights and how they can do a better job at protecting their own, um, their own data. Wow, that is crazy. I mean, so you're telling me all my data is right now stored in some third country, like third world country, just because Canada shares the same privacy laws as the States does. We don't even share the same privacy laws as the States. The States actually has nothing that would protect data and the collection. Wow. So the U.S. has nothing protecting there. data. Wow, that's crazy. The U.S. The U.S. has nothing protecting their own data. No, they have no single legislation to protect that data. They use multiple um, different legislations and kind of compile them together to protect your data, but nothing, no single legislation like we do saying this is how we're going to protect you and your data. Wow. And what are some of the challenges of that, of, of, of not having a single legislation like Canada does? For us or for them? For them. Well, for the, to not have a single legislation, it's really hard to challenge companies because usually when you have to take them to court, it's a violation of several different things. But when you have one single legislation saying this is what you're violating, 
then it's easier to navigate yourself through that and to create stronger linkages in between different policies and different regulations um, rather than dispersing them through other things because once you have different legislations, there's a lot of disconnect in between them. So when you have legislation outlining things back to back to back, there's all these connections in between that like close the gap, um, which would allow for companies to back the pushback. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, uh, I, I know like the States has many issues it's like uh, in this day and age, especially like in 2020, mainly with the rise of TikTok. And the reason for that is uh, they, the TikTok is a Chinese company and TikTok is also collecting data and they're collecting the data of, you know, of the new generation of the next generation. And I know a lot of American senators, American judges are not letting their kids use TikTok for that reason because they don't want their data to be collected by China. Yeah. And you know what? The biggest thing that's been really sticking out to me lately is that policymakers and people like senators and stuff, they don't fully understand the usage of technology. Oh they my goodness. As simple as Facebook or Google. Look at when they got brought to the stand and they didn't even know what kind of questions to ask them. Oh, I remember. They're supposed to be protecting us and they don't even know how. They have no idea. I remember when uh, Mark Zuckerberg was interviewed by the Senate, right? And they asked him the most basic internet questions. I was like, how do you guys not know this? Exactly. They asked him how they make money. <laughs> how do you make money online? Zuckerberg looked at them and he's just like, Senator, we run ads. <laughs> that was like an, a, a classic TV moment. Like, it should be like put on like a gold plaque and hung up on a wall. It's, you know I mean, what you should do so is make good. a TikTok of it. <laughs> <laughs> it's too late for that now. I just feel like, that, like actually no, maybe not. You know, like we have like old videos coming up all the time and like resurging. Bring it back. <laughs> There's some actually something else I want to ask you about. Um, I know like earlier, like before the podcast, you you uh, you and me were talking, and you are a one of the top twenty five female scholars in Canada. That is yes, huge. I am. That is huge. Honestly, like I gotta give you, I gotta give you the hand for that. That is amazing. <laughs> Thank you. Congratulations. And like, how'd that come to be? Honestly, this last, I would say the last two years have actually just been incredible for me. I went from being strictly an athlete to being an academic. Mm -hmm. When I finally put my academic hat on and I started grinding to get out, I've been presented with the most incredible opportunities ever. Like, I don't know if you remember, but I got, last year I got selected, or two years ago now, wow. It's been two years that I got selected to be part of the United Nations Youth Assembly. I remember, yeah, I, I remember. And were closely, yeah. And so, through all, all these opportunities that I've been getting, I finally got the opportunity to do my master's at Balsili School, where you're granted even more opportunities. Like, it's incredible the kind of doors it opens for you to go to a school like that. Um, so I remember the, it's called WISTS, W-I-I-S, um, mm -hmm. and they were looking for female scholars. They were looking, uh, looking for people to submit their research. And my dean came up to me, he approached me and he was just like, you need to submit the research you've been doing. I've been doing a lot of research on terrorism and jihadi fighters returning home. He's mm -hmm. like, researcher, you really have something here. And I was so hesitant and I was just like, man, like, I don't want to get rejected. That's like one of my biggest things. 
Um, and I remember right before it was due, I finally had the nerve to submit it. And I did. And I ended up being the only one in your entire school that was successful at it. Unfortunately, because of quarantine, I haven't been able to sit down with them, go to their conferences and stuff like that. But I'm really excited to do some serious work with them and have my research published. That is, uh, that is amazing. So like it almost didn't happen because you didn't submit your assignments. But like, yeah. Wow. Isn't that crazy? <laughs> that's, that is insane. That is actually so crazy. Like to yeah, think like it could have not happened. <laughs> it's been like incredible. The amount of opportunities I've been just getting and like, people actually wanting to listen to your research and the things you have to say, it's an incredible feeling. What was like one of the moments like during, uh, well, you were just saying like, like when like people, like people want to listen to your research, like, well, did you like have a moment where you were talking to somebody or you were presenting something and you realized, you know what, like, this is it. Like I'm talking to these people. I'm presenting, I'm, I'm presenting my research. Like I, 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 and I made it moment. Did you have one of those? I did, honestly. So I didn't have that moment when I was at United Nations in front of everyone speaking. I didn't have it when I was at Plan Canada talking about my stuff. It wasn't until I went to a high school and they have this, um, like a girls leadership group. Mm -hmm. And they asked me to come as a speaker. And there was only like, maybe like 50, 60 people that showed up to this event. And I started speaking about my research, my accomplishments, and just overall everything about my life. And that was the moment I realized, like, wow, I have come so far. And, like, that was my moment where I was just like, man, like, this is only the beginning of what I could accomplish. Wow. You must have felt, it must have felt incredibly surreal to be there and, like, just realize where you are, take it all in. Yeah, oftentimes, like, you know what, too, like, just being on the mat, like, you're always in your own space, and, like, even though you're part mm -hmm. of the atmosphere, like, you kind of, like, no one really knows what's happening in each other's lives other than what happens on the mat, right? You're right, yes. Like, the first time where I actually got to talk about not only, like, the research I was doing, which would be, like, the equivalence to me doing judo or wrestling, it was also me talking about everything that else happens in my life and just connecting all of those things. It was a really cool experience. What is one of the, I mean, you were an athlete for a long, long time, for many years. You were at first a, a judoka, and then, you, and then you were a wrestler, and, you know, your, your brother as well, you know, Gurnek, you know, bless him. He's a freaking awesome guy, too. He's also been an athlete, so you're, like, in a family of athletes here. And what is one of the lessons you've learned as an athlete that you're carrying on into your work today? The biggest thing my dad always used to say to me um, was, don't do it for the teacher. And I never understood what that meant. And he said, don't do it for the teacher? Don't do it for the t-shirts. T-shirts, okay. And I never understood what that meant my entire life. I, he's been telling me this since I was like three, four years old. And I had no understanding of what he meant. And it wasn't until I think I was like 2021 20, when... I realized that what it means is like, don't do it for the show. Don't do it for like the medal that you're going to get it. Like it's the journey to get to that stage. And that was like a huge thing for me. Um, so I think that's always been my biggest lesson is like, don't do it for the t-shirt. 
Just it for the journey, the experience, the knowledge you're gaining from it. Everything but the t-shirt. You should like put that saying, take that saying, don't do it for the t-shirt and put it on a t-shirt and then wear it. I should do it. Oh, that should, should be do it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I honestly, I miss like the, the, the times when like we just be athletes because realizing like now, especially after finishing school, just like how much there is to life and how busy we really are. Just man, you don't have like, you know, three, four hours a day to wrestle anymore. Yeah, it was honestly to the switch from become going from a student athlete to full mode adulthood. Mm-hmm. It was huge change, and honestly, like nobody realizes the mental stress it has as well. Oh like, my I goodness! When I stopped, I like I went through a year, like the full year of from when I quit to now. Mm-hmm. I was struggling significantly, and I was talking to other athletes that had like left the sport and like how they coped with it and like the different types of um like outlets they had and nothing was working for me I didn't want to work out anymore I didn't want to speak to my friends from wrestling anymore from judo like I kind of just went into this isolation mode and it wasn't until like I started getting into like school and then um, when I started getting back into working out and stuff like that, where I actually like felt like myself and it's really hard to be in this adult world and like try to find space where you can bring your past with you. So I think that working out was like the biggest outlet I got to have because it was something from my past that I really enjoyed doing. And because I was continued on with that, it really helped me. Yeah. I I absolutely agree with everything you're saying. Like when you finish like, because wrestling, it takes a serious amount of dedication to be a wrestler, to be a good wrestler. You got to work out so much every day. You got to do cardio. You got to do weights. You got to do practice. You got to cut weight. You got to watch what you eat. There's so many things. And, you know, when it's over, it's over. All of a sudden, you're like, okay, now what do I do? Yeah. Really weird. It's, Especially yeah. after your last tournament. Um, <laughs> it's just like, you're like, man, I can finally eat whatever I want. And I don't even know what I want to eat. Oh man. That was my biggest my biggest challenge was figuring out how can I allow myself to eat unhealthy now. <laughs> Still to this day, um I remember you know like we used to cut weight and like I, I remember like we'd all be like jogging around together, like wearing sweatpants, wearing trash bags, just to sweat more. And you cut weight for you know a couple of days, you barely eat, you barely drink any water, and then after you weigh in. You weigh in, you make weight. That first sip of water you take right after weighing in is the sweetest tasting, the greatest thing (laughs) you will ever experience in your life. But there's nothing like it. Oh, I like, I still, like, nothing compares to that feeling. (laughs) Nothing. No, nothing. I was actually listening to a podcast with Tony Robbins, and he was talking to uh, Sean White, the snowboarder, and Michael Phelps, the the swimmer, right? You know them. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And they were talking about, well, Michael Phelps is the most decorated Olympian of all time. Like no one's won more medals than he has. Sean White is arguably the greatest snowboarder of all time. And they were both saying that after every Olympics they've been to, they've each been to three, I believe. They were both severely depressed afterwards, after the, after the Olympic games were over. Yeah. And they were talking about, about the experience. And it's because they were, they spent every day, like Michael Phelps 
trained every day for seven years just to just to get to his first Olympics. So he's like, after I got there, it's like, what do I do now? And they labeled it the achiever's curse. Even though he went there and he got a gold medal, he came back depressed. It's because he, he didn't have a point anymore. And they were talking about how athletes, especially uh, athletes in the Olympics, because Olympians don't get paid like professional athletes do. There has to be a better integration for them into society, into becoming somebody else other than an athlete, something else, else other than what they've known their entire life. Honestly, yeah, like that's, I, th I think that wrestling for York really, like they had a great plan for when you exit from the school. Mm -hmm. And because it, like you've wrestled there, you know how much of a family it is. You're part of like yes. your family and then you're part of this larger, bigger family of all the lions. And one thing that they really push for is when you graduate from there, you're no longer, like, they don't talk about it as you leaving us. It's like, you're just continuing your journey, but we're still in your corner. Um, and they had, when I, I remember when I stopped wrestling, they had all the right things set in place for me. Like they had a therapist set aside so I could talk to her and always stay in touch with her. We have lifetime physiotherapy if we need it. Um, they keep us connected, um, part of an alumni group. So we get to network with other alumni and we even get to talk to the athletes that are graduating now. And it's really cool to be still part of that environment because it keeps you engaged in it. It doesn't make you feel like you just completely ended that chapter in your life. You know, it continues on with the rest of what you're doing now. Yeah, it's great. And you know, I mean, they have, they've had, they have helped their athletes a lot. I mean, I, I know like they, but yeah, as you were saying, like the wrestling community, like the wrestling team at York was just a big family. It was awesome to be there. Just to talk to the talk, talk to the, talk to the coaches. It was a great environment. And I, I mean, I, I get emails from York all the time, you know, about new events, about come out to this. Bart, Bart is still sending out emails. The, the, the athletic director, I mean, I don't know what he is now. Just trying yeah, to say. Just keeps moving up. He's <laughs> a new position every summer. Yeah, honestly, that guy's killing it. That guy's doing everything at York now. Well, he's great. He's like Big Daddy. <laughs> have you been to York since you graduated? I have not. You um, have not, yeah. Waterloo, so I haven't <laughs> come home much since then. Um, the odd time maybe to pick up my brother from school, but that's about it. Yeah, me too, actually. Like, I've rarely been there. I go there, I'm like, ah, oh, man, like, I don't want to be here. But like, you go to Tate, you're like, man, this is awesome. It's like takes it like was different home. Yeah, it was home. We spent like, I mean, you know, like probably three hours minimum every day there. Yeah, like training in the morning, training in the evening. Oh goodness. It was it was a great time. <laughs> and then you go home and your clothes are all sweaty in your bag and you take it out and it smells like the worst thing ever. <laughs> You're like, fuck, oh, this is so bad. Oh man, good times. You stay in touch with uh with with our teammates, with the coaches? Um, once in a while, I keep in touch with people. I'm definitely staying in touch with Kalman. Um, What's he up to these days? Kalman's doing good. Kalman's, he's still out and about. He took this year off. He's just been dealing with some personal issues. But he's definitely, he's healthy. Awesome. He's still like the meat base. Kalman, <laughs> with the sweetest heart ever. He's doing really good. <laughs> That's awesome. That is awesome. Yeah. I, I remember, um, man, like it, there were just like so many personalities on that team. It's just like, it just bring back, like, 
I'm just like going down memory memory lane right now, just taking a trip down memory lane. <laughs> we had some fantastic trips together. And yeah, oh my goodness, they were awesome. They were so good. Like those like eight hour long bus rides were like some of the like most fun I've ever had in my life. It was it was so cool. It was awesome. Literally laughing her asses off. Oh my goodness. Playing guitar. You know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it was so much fun. Hearing my wonderful singing voice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, I mean, you're you're a top twenty-five female scholar in Canada. I mean, I mean, I'm assuming I'm assuming you're gonna be releasing an album next. Oh yeah, for sure. Next venture. Going on to like Canadian Idol or something. Canadian Idol. Is that a thing? <laughs> Apparently it is. It actually is. I, I had no idea. I've never watched it, but I've heard of it. Canadian Idol. It's like, oh my goodness. Why you do we gotta always we should just audition? Let's do it. We'd win it because because of the lack of competition, we'd win. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> why do we always why does Canada always copy America and everything they do? It's like American Idol, Canadian Idol, MasterChef, MasterChef Canada. It's everything we do is, is American. What to tell you? They literally run this world. <laughs> they do. I was talking to somebody, uh, well, on the last episode that I had on the podcast, to a guy named Drake who lives in New Jersey. And he wanted to know like more about Canada and like and the differences we have between Canada and the, and the USA. It's because, I mean, I feel like everyone asks that question, what's better, America or Canada? And there is no really right answer to that just because it's so different. But he was telling me how um, I believe he had uh, a surgery on something. I, I forget what he said. I, I think he said it was his, his back or his heart, one of the two. And it cost him $110,000. That's insane. Luckily, he had insurance, which covered all of it. But imagine not having insurance and having to pay 110 grand out of pocket. Like, like I think that living in Canada, especially at a critical time like right now, to have health care and like universal health care, it's, it's honestly like, it's the most incredible thing ever. It is amazing. Did you read about and I that? Think about a lot that of people one? take it for granted. Yeah, absolutely. We do. Like, we always complain about our taxes, but like, hey, man, you got free healthcare. Like, you don't yeah. know what it is until you actually actually have to pay out of pocket for, for all that stuff. Yeah. It's a lot of money. And did, did you hear about that one woman in New York who she got um she went to the hospital, I believe, maybe seven times because every time she went, she was sick. They told her, okay, take this medicine or go do this, you'll be fine. She goes and, and, does, and does what the doctor said, but she's not fine. It just keeps getting worse and worse. So eventually they diagnosed her after the seventh time she was in the hospital, they diagnosed her with COVID-19 and they give her a bill of $35,000. No way. Yeah. So they're pretty much- That's inhumane. That is inhu- That is crazy. Like that is, that is out of whack. That is messed up, like beyond words. Like how can you- diagnose someone with COVID-19 and say, oh, by the way, you owe us 30, 35 grand. That's absolutely insane. You're about to die and then you're like out all this money. Like, how can they even think that's okay? Yeah. I'm surprised. Like, there isn't any uh, talk in America or like any, I mean, maybe there is, but like, I can't see from, from I can't see from like the news articles that I'm reading. No one's talking about uh, free healthcare or better, better health insurance. Yeah, um, I do know that they are going to be testing for free, but I don't know beyond that if they're going to be medicating for free as well. Mm. Part of the spread 
to eliminate the spread is going to be to cure the people that are infected with this and vulnerable people that can't afford health insurance or to cover the medicines themselves out of pocket, like they're going to continue spreading it if they can't control it themselves and further yeah. as well. We are in for, we are in for the long haul. I mean, this, you know, uh, they're extending like the school closure until May 29th. It's going to be much longer than that. Oh yeah, for sure. There's nothing's going to be opening until there's a vaccine. Yeah, which is uh, when, like, end of this year, beginning of next year, something like that? Yeah, they were saying probably a year out from now. So we'll be lucky to have summer 2021. You know, I guess we're just going to have to drink double now. <laughs> aren't, you, aren't you already drinking double, Gigi? <laughs> I can you hear for a month. nor deny that fact. <laughs> <laughs> All right, listen, we're coming up here on 30 minutes. I want to thank you so much for, so much for being on here, Gigi. I, I really appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me. This was really fun. This was awesome. Yeah, it was, it was great talking to you again. I mean, you know, taking down a trip, tr taking a trip down memory lane and just hearing what you're doing these days. You know, just moving up in the world. You're awesome. Thank you. It's really cool what you've been doing with TikTok and your podcasts. Thank you so much, Gigi. I really appreciate it. All right, guys, this, that is it for us. At Husky Muscles on TikTok, on Instagram at ggtax7. I believe that's your Instagram name, right? No, it is not. It's gg.tac. <laughs> gg.tac. At gg.tac on Instagram. Give her a follow. We'll see you guys next time.